Let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, I'm going to give you just a quick quiz. And it is from two weeks ago on Resurrection Sunday. I said that there's one word in the New Testament that is the most important word. And my thought is it's the most important word in the entire New Testament. Do you remember what that word was? Exactly. Believe. You got it right. Uh, it was the most important word. Listen, first service took a while to come up with it. And I didn't want to embarrass you guys. So believe. I know that you guys knew it. Believe is the word. And we talked about believe is, is uh, it means to trust. It means to obey. And it means to hope. There you go, right here on the front row. Got it. Uh, that's what you get when you sit on the front row. You get the answers. They, they stick with you even better. Uh, but it's to trust. It's to hope. It's to obey. Uh, in this passage of Scripture, the same Greek word that we used in terms of believe shows up here in verse 8 under the word believe. But in verses 5, 7, and 9, it is the word faith. It's the exact same word in the Greek. And so here again, we're talking about this process of believing this process of trusting and obeying and putting our hope in Jesus is central to the entire story of our belief and our knowing Jesus. In fact, I will tell you that uh, our faith is what connects us to Jesus. Our faith is what connects us to Jesus and Jesus is what changes my life. Jesus is who changes who I am. Now, as we move into this service, into this message, I want you to listen in a couple of different ways. We're going to be talking about the ways in which Jesus changes who I am. And we're going to talk about how my life is different because of Jesus. And I want you to listen to this in one of two different ways. I want you to listen to this as a person who is confident because you know that your life is in Jesus. And so everything that we say, the rest of the service, I want you to just kind of dig in, put down deep inside of you because you know this, because you are confident that you have put your hope, your faith, your obedience, your trust into Jesus. So I want you to hear all of these words with confidence. But I also want there to be some people that are here this morning that maybe put, listen to this message not so much in terms of confidence, but in terms of curiosity. Because you've never had that crossroads moment where you have put the full weight of your life on Jesus. And you're still listening. You're still wondering. You're still trying to figure out whether all of this Jesus stuff, if all of this stuff from the Word of God is really, really worth it. So this morning, we're going to talk about the difference that Jesus makes in our life. And if you are in Christ, man, I want you to listen to this with such confidence and say, that's me. But if you have not come to that place, I want you to listen with curiosity and say, man, I wonder if that is supposed to be for me. I wonder if that's something I'm supposed to do in my life. Does that sound okay? All right, we're going to do it either way, all right? Uh, here we go. Uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about this morning is that in Jesus, uh, in Jesus, I am blessed. Let's read that together. In Jesus, I am blessed. All right, how many of you all have had kids, or maybe you did it yourself, that wanted to play that claw game at, at Chuck E. Cheese, the the, the, the Claw, okay, we got a hand in the back there. I, I, I see that. All right. The thing about the claw game is that there's a couple things about it. One is there's a whole cylinder 
of different prizes. I mean, great, fantastic prizes, stuffed animals, toys. You know, I think there's a car in there, all kinds of things that, that you can look at and say, boy, I really, really want that. But as you take the claw, you have to choose which one you're trying to get out of there with the claw. So you have to choose one. Here's the second problem with the claw game, and I hope that no one here works for the claw company, but no one in history has ever won the claw game. Uh, it is impossible to actually use that claw to pick up what you're looking for and get it. What I want you to know today is that if you are in Christ, you are a blessed person. We have a list up here on the next slide uh, here. I want you to see these are the things in the verses that we just read. These are the blessings that are yours. Unlike the claw game, you don't have to choose one. You get all of them. Unlike the claw game, it is not impossible to gain them, but it is given, it is done, and it is completed. I want you to look at that list there. That in Christ, we have grace, we have peace, we have mercy, we are born again, we have a living hope, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, guarded by God's power and salvation for your souls. If you get a chance this afternoon, kind of take that list and kind of go back and find that in those verses. Verses 3 all the way through 9. Those are the things that are right there on the page. I want you to notice that if you are in Christ, you are a blessed person. In fact, the opening words there at the end of verse 2, it says, Grace and peace to all of you. Man, what a great way to live life is to experience grace and peace. The next thing he says, that in him we have mercy, God's mercy, to, to protect us from all of the things that we probably deserve, that we definitely deserve. We have mercy from God. You all know that you had a season in school where you didn't go so well and you looked at that teacher and said, can you please give me mercy? Sometimes you've been pulled over somebody with some blue lights and you just kind of looked at them with the saddest eyes that you could say, could you please give me some mercy? I want you to know that you are blessed in Christ because he gives you mercy. I want you to know that in Christ you are born again. We've talked about this before, but every once in a while, You'd like a do-over, like maybe when the guy with the blue lights came. You'd like a do-over. You'd like to be able to, to fix something that was broken in the past. We hunger for the opportunity. Now that I know what I know, well, I'd like to do that over again. I want you to know that in Christ, you get a complete do-over in your life because you are literally born again. Not only that, but it says that we are born again into a living hope. Not a hope that expires, not a hope that kind of fades, not a hope that disappoints, but it is a hope that is worth chasing after for our entire lives and it is alive and it is always there in front of us and it stays with us for our entire lives. You are blessed. Now I like this. It says because I am in Christ. Because I am in Christ, I have an inheritance. Now man, that's a great word, isn't it? an inheritance. Man, every day I go to the mailbox and I'm just waiting for there to be a letter that's stamped on the front, inheritance. Now, I want it to be kind of a thick padded envelope that says big inheritance. Uh, maybe an inheritance of some things that I didn't even know that I had. Boy, I'd like to be able to, to just because I'm related to someone to receive this great inheritance. Let me tell you, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, there is an inheritance that is headed your way that because you are related to Jesus, 
there is an inheritance that is yours. Let me tell you a little bit about that inheritance. It is imperishable, which means that it's never going to wear out. It is undefiled, which means that it's never going to be stained or messed up or ruined or harmed in any way. It is unfading, which means that it will never, ever get old. It is kept in heaven for you. And this may be my favorite line in the whole section. The inheritance, which is my blessing before God. This inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, it is guarded by God's power for me. Do you think, do you think I'm ever going to see that? If it's guarded by God's power, it sure is. Some of you remember when Geraldo Rivera, remember Geraldo? On live TV, he opened up Al Capone's vault. And we had been told that there was this inheritance. There was all of this money. Can you imagine how rich Al Capone was? Here was his secret stash of money. Geraldo had found it. And on live TV, anybody here watch that? I, I watched it live on TV. He opened up that vault. I mean, they did commercial break, commercial break. I mean, here it was. Here, here is the live open. They opened up that door. There was nothing, nothing in that place. Do you know why? Because it hadn't been guarded by God's power. I'm not saying that about Al Capone, but I'm telling you, your inheritance, your inheritance, because you are blessed, is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, and guarded by God's power for your life. The blessing culminates in verse 9 by it says the outcome of your faith which is the salvation of your soul. Let me tell you, sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes we struggle with some things. Sometimes we, we get discouraged. Sometimes life isn't exactly the way it wants to be. But sometimes we also forget how blessed that we are. And I'm not trying to say that's super spiritual but I'm just trying to say that's super real. That if you are in Christ... This is a sampling of the blessings that God has put inside of your life. If you are in Christ, you are a blessed person. Now, what is so great is that God also gives us the full picture. Our next statement here isn't, isn't quite as smiley as that statement. The next statement here is that in Jesus, I am tested. In fact, say that with me. In Jesus, I am tested. All right. We believe the word of God. We believe the word of God to be true. We know that just be, we know that if God said it, it's in the Bible that settles it. We know that we can trust the word of God. I know that I can trust the word of God, but every once in a while, every once in a while, I, I want to just double check. Okay. Can you, can you double check with me this morning? All right. Here we go. This morning, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to stand and stay standing if this morning you have faced some type of trial or difficulty today. I know it's early. I know the day's still started, but some of you have kids um, <laughs> or spouses or traffic or you know, no judgment. But if you've experienced difficulty or trial, struggle today, would you, would you stand and just remain standing? 
All right, there you go. Uh, all right. If you have experienced struggle or trial this week, would you stand and remain standing? Man, it's been a rough week. <laughs> I hope it's not one person who's causing all this. <laughs> if you have experienced trial or struggle or suffering this month, would you stand? If you've experienced trial or struggling or suffering in the last 12 months, would you stand? If you've experienced it in the last decade, would you stand? If you've experienced it in your lifetime, would you stand? As I said in the first service, if you're still seated, man, buckle up. I don't want to tell you what's coming next, but it's not going to be great. Just stay standing just for a moment. One of the things that's really important to know is just how honest the Word of God is with us. We, we can never say that the Word of God says, well, you never told me. You, you never, I'll tell you that just in 1 Peter alone, it talks about trials and suffering 15 different times. The Word of God gets honest with us, but speaks into that. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But because we've identified ourselves this morning as folks who are walking or have walked through a tough time, I want to just kind of pray for those that are standing right now, uh, just for whatever it is uh, that you're dealing with this morning. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we do take a moment and we just kind of recognize how universal our struggle is. But Lord, I want to take just this moment just to pray for the folks that are standing, folks that are in this very hour dealing with some hard stuff or still recovering from some stuff that they've been through lately or even still sometimes dealing with some deep wounds from way back. Lord, I pray that you would renew them. Lord, I pray that you would refresh them. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would give them forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would give them healing in their life. Lord, I pray that you would rebuild some relationships. Lord, I pray that you would lift up some spirits. Lord, I pray that you would solve some problems that are out there. And Lord, I pray that they would know you, that they would experience you, that they would see you in the middle of these things. Lord, that they'd be able to give testimony to you about how you appeared in their life. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. In this book, we are going to talk about trials and suffering a whole bunch of times. But just in this moment, there's a handful of things that he tells us about this testing. He tells us about this, these trials that we face. The first things that he tells us, and, and this is tough. I'm glad you sat back down for this. He tells us that they're good news. He tells us that they're good news. What do you mean they're good news? He says, in this you rejoice that even though you face for a little while these trials, in this you rejoice. 
me just tell you, maybe this is my life and it's not your life. Maybe it's universal for everyone, or maybe it just is going to give you a little bit of filter inside of my life. But I'm going to tell you that there's probably two things that Scripture calls on my life to do that I really struggle with the most. One is that I'm supposed to forgive someone who's done me wrong. Man, that's not really the top of my list. The problem with that is the only people I'm supposed to forgive are people who have done me wrong. The only people I have to forgive are people that I'm mad at, and those are really the last ones that I want to forgive. Now, maybe you don't struggle with that call, but when Scripture calls on that, I find that to be a tough challenge in my life. The second one that I find to be equal in difficulty or maybe even greater in difficulty is the constant statement that the Word of God tells us that we are to rejoice in our trials and our sufferings and our difficulties. That's about the last thing I want to do when I face trials or difficulties or hardship. My reflex is I want to whine. I want to complain. I want to blow off some steam. I want to let some people know about it. I want to wallow. I, I want to pout. I want to be upset. I want to be all of these things. And, and, and there's probably a little bit of room for some of those things. But what the Word of God calls on us to do repeatedly is to rejoice in that experience. I told the first service that I remember preaching this truth from another passage of Scripture because it's just everywhere. And, and I, on a Sunday morning, and, and I got to tell you, it was an above average sermon that Sunday. I mean, I told all of you all that, that you need to rejoice in difficult times, and you need to rejoice in suffering, and you need to rejoice when things don't go right. And I just told you all, you needed to do that. And I got my car. It was a brand new to me car. Nicest car I'd ever owned. Drove down to... Crowley and parked at Lowe's, picked up a couple things, came back, and there was a giant gash out of the paint job that someone's cart had just mangled. Man, I wanted to be so mad. Man, I wanted to be so angry. Man, I wanted to be so frustrated. But I just preached. We're supposed to rejoice when things don't go our way. We're supposed to rejoice. And I think God was like, hmm. Let's see whether you really believe that. But the Word of God tells us repeatedly that we have an exact opposite reaction than what our reflexes tell us. That we should rejoice in the hardships that we face. This passage also tells us that our hardships are temporary. Our hardships are temporary. The, the word here uh, in, in my translation is that a little while. Uh, it is slight. In fact, I think that the Greek word here is the Greek word smidge. Smidge, just, just a little bit. The trials that you're facing, they're just a smidge. Now, some of you will realize that some of the things that caused you great crisis six months ago, you have a difficult time even remembering today. But in that moment, they felt so heavy, but with the passage of time that you realize it was a smidge. It didn't last very long. But some of you who stood up this morning say, hold on, hold on. I've been dealing with this for a really, really long time. Uh, I've been dealing with this 10, 15, 20 years. I've been dealing with this hardship my entire life. 
I still want to tell you what the Word of God says. That the trials, the difficulties, the suffering that we experience in this life are temporary. Because the truth, the theological, the biblical truth, the Word from God is that even if a trial lasts the entirety of our life, when we step into eternity, it will be a smidge. But many of the things that we face are even a smidge in this life. I want you to know that many of the things that we are dealing with now, we will survive. We, we will survive because the Word of God tells us that they are temporary. So they're good news. They're temporary. Another word that it tells us here is that our trials, our difficulties, our suffering, man, here's, here's the word, is it's beneficial. It's beneficial. Man, that's another hard word, but it's beneficial because the word here tells us that it is for the testing, the proving of our faith. Uh, take a look at that. It says in verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, for now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the benefit that our testing, our trials, our struggles does not prove that we have faith, but it reveals the quality of the faith that we have. Again, the faith isn't me, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Your difficulties are going to prove and going to reveal and give evidence of how good God is in your life. In fact, you can review some of those things in your life that you stood up remembering this morning. That one of the things that can be said about our life is that those difficulties teach us how to rely and lean into and discover and develop a deeper intimacy with Jesus. In fact, the truth is we will never mature in our faith if we aren't walking through some things that we have to lean on Jesus to get through. That's how we grow and develop. That's how that faith is tested and shown and revealed. In fact, I would say to you that some of you that have walked through some hard things, one of the blessings and the benefits of that experience is that the next time you walk through something hard, it still exhausts, it still grieves, it still wounds the spirit. But at the end of it, you know that Jesus is bigger than that thing you're walking through. How do you know it? Because he was bigger than the last thing that you walked through. Because he's proved himself in the past. And that's part of how our faith grows. We benefit because it tests and shows and reveals the strength of who Jesus is. It also, it also reveals that when we walk through those difficulties with Jesus, it brings honor and glory and praise to his name. I can't explain how all of that works, but I will tell you that people are watching. And as you manage and as you walk through some of those hard things, Jesus' name gets praised because of how you walk through that hard place. And they see how Jesus carries you in that place. 
I would also tell you that our trials are difficulties. I want you to hear this. Our trials and our difficulties are also small. Not because I deny some of the weight that you're carrying or that you're walking through right now, but because when we compare it to Jesus, Jesus outweighs all of it. In fact, that's how the passage concludes here. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you now believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining to the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. In Jesus, I am completed. In Jesus, I am completed. Let's say that together on the screen. In Jesus, I am completed. You see, that last phrase there is the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. That's where he's taking you all the way through. Part of what he's doing, the big goal of the whole experience is so at the end of this journey, he says, I will have you. You will be safe. You will be secure. You will be completed. You will have everything that you need in him. And in fact, if you bump back up to verse 8, in the middle of all this, he says that we rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. Because of what Jesus does in our life, in this lifetime and for all of eternity, I rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. So what do we do with this passage well, the first thing is, remember, we talked about listening in two different ways. We talked about listening as a person who is in Jesus and listening with confidence, saying, all of those things are true about my life. I am blessed. I am tested, but I am also completed. And so I want you to hear that. I want you to know that, and I want you to own that. But we also talked about the possibility of listening to this passage with curiosity because that's never a place that you've come to in your life where you've put the full weight of your life on Jesus to manage and to solve the brokenness, the sin, the rebellion, the heartbreak that exists in your life. In just a few minutes, we're going to finish the service, but before we do, we have a time of response, we have a time of prayer. And if you've never put the full weight of your life on Jesus, then the number one response for you today is for you to put that full weight of your life on Jesus. If you've never done that, man, I'm going to be down front. I'm going to be here to pray with you. Let's be some other folks down front. I'll be at the back table at the end of the service. I'd love to talk to you about how you can put the full weight of your life on Jesus. But those of you that walk through this message in confidence because of you know where you are with Christ, let me just encourage you to do a couple of things today. I want you to reflect back on a recent trial that you've experienced. And I want you to spend some time trying to discover what is it that God was trying to reveal and work in my life in that season. I'm not necessarily saying that God sent that to you, but I'm going to say he's not going to waste that. And then in the middle of that, 
He wants to grow you, develop you, bless you, strengthen you, encourage you in that place. And so maybe there's something that's happened not too long ago. Maybe it's been a long time. But I want you to reflect back on that. And I want you to say, okay, what is it that God was trying to teach me in that place? And have I heard it in my life? To make it a little bit more current, I would encourage you, if you are in the middle of something right now, and we're not talking about trial from back then, we're talking about trial right now, what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to have a conversation with Jesus, and I would yield your life to him and say, whatever it is you want to do in the middle of this thing, whatever it is you want to do in the middle of this thing, I trust you and I yield my life to you in this. Now that might be tough because part of that may mean that, that you and I want things to get better right away and it may be that God's plan is that it's actually going to get a little bit tougher before it gets better. And Part of our prayer is to say, God, what your agenda, what your plan is, is bigger than mine. You know more than I do. You love me more than I can even love myself. So God, I'm, I'm releasing control of my own life and I'm giving it to you. The other thing in this passage is it talks about that joy. Rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. I, I like that word, inexpressible. Take all the things in the world that you can express, that you can put into words. What Jesus has done is not on that list because it's inexpressible. And sometimes we need to be reminded that the default, the default setting for our lives when we are in Christ is joy. And it's possible that you're living under a cloud of some gloom and some difficulty right now. And I'm not saying that whatever it is that's causing that isn't a real deal. But I want you to know that the default setting, the default setting for a believer is joy. Not fake happiness, but just knowing that there's something bigger and better than anything that I'm going through in my life right now. And maybe you need to be given permission to live in that joy once again, even as you continue to walk through something that's hard. Let me pray for you.